people enter a 12-week challenge because they want to lose weight, you know, and they want, well, they want fat loss, but they want to lose weight. So the easiest way to do that is just cut your calories, increase your exercise, happy days. You get to the end of the 12 weeks, goal achieved, all right? But as we know that uh, I think it's something like 92% of people that come out of those challenges end up putting the weight back on and more, you know, within the next kind of eight to 10 weeks post that challenge. So they keep doing these challenges over and over and over and over again and, and it keeps getting harder and harder and harder and people are not kind of realizing until it's kind of too late, you know, maybe a couple of years down the track that they, they currently have this metabolism that's just not responding to, you know, the, the, the quick fixes or it's just like, oh, it was so easy. I just cut my calorie. I just cut my calorie. And then it just stops working. Your body is a highly adaptive organism. And at, at its baseline roots, its whole point is for you not to die. <laughs> That's what it's designed to do. So you can beat it and beat it and beat it. And it will keep adapting and adapting and adapting. But we're not talking about you feeling optimized and sleeping well and energy. We're just talking about calories and surviving like that's do you know what i mean like it's 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 a completely different argument at that point welcome to the body never lies i'm your host leela lutz each week myself and experts from around the world help you uncover the secret ways your body communicates with you to empower you in your own individual health journey I think most of my audience and followers know Kitty Bloomfield. She's my no BS metabolic bestie who rants on and on about getting off the restrictive diet hamster wheel so you can build a body that you love. And her and her super duper business partner and life partner, Craig McDonald's, have coached hundreds of people through their Wean at Life program. Now, if you listen to my interview with nutritionist Kira Sutherland, on how to apply nutrition research into practice, you will know that most research studies are done for only six weeks. And for us practitioners who have worked with clients over long periods of time and poured over months and months of food logs, we would argue that the data that we have collected on sustainable weight loss is definitively more relative and applicable. Craig and Kitty have coached hundreds of women through their program, Hundreds of women have put their weekly data of food and subjective measures, not just weight loss, but health measures, and they have achieved phenomenal transformations. And so I have to have, had to have Kitty and Craig on the show to get the lowdown on healthy, sustainable weight loss and what it takes to get off the diet merry-go-round and build a body that you love. Now, Kitty and Craig have their next break-free challenge coming up and enrollments close on the 27th of September. So if you would like to have the amazing experience of working with them, which I'm sure you will at the end of this episode, on your food and exercise for four weeks so that you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body that you love, please uh, check out the show notes to join the waitlist or go to www new strength that's n finale u for unicorn strength.com.au and if you got something out of this episode please let us know share your thoughts on instagram and tag me at leela lutz as well as at kitty blumfeld and at i am craig mcdonald and share this episode with people you think will get something out of it now, without further ado, here is Kitty Blumfeld and Craig McDonald 
And today we are discussing the myths of calorie restriction. Hey, Kitty. Hey, Craig. Thanks so much for coming on The Body Never Lies. We so wanted to be here. It was so great to have you on um, on our podcast. For everyone who's listening, we love Lena. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, Let you know what? I'm actually... That's okay. Yeah. Hey, sorry, Craig. I wasn't on that podcast. This is actually the first time we've actually met properly. Yeah, Craig so. loves it too. He will love it. Yeah. <laughs> I made Craig come on this podcast just to keep <laughs> Kitty in line. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> but you guys are in separate rooms though, so you can't like yeah, right. physically enforce it. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty and Greg are the awesome duo behind uh, Win It Life, um, the online program, Win It Life, training, nutrition. Sorry, I lost my words there. Um, but I wanted to have you guys on today, and especially after the, the release of our, the episode that we to get, did together, Kitty, the podcast interview that we did, and all the messages that I'm getting from women. Oh, I got so much great feedback. Oh, well, I'm just, like, so interested in the messages of what people are telling me about the perceptions they have about weight loss, which is really mm. amplified to me the myth that we need to talk about today because mm. we are still so confused about how long it takes to heal a broken metabolism and uh, there's still people that tell me that there's no such thing as a broken metabolism um, There and also how about calories, right, because it is true 100% scientifically if you put yourself in a caloric deficit you will lose weight and you need to to lose weight but people are still thinking that you need to be in a caloric deficit of, yeah 1200 <laughs> calories to lose yeah. weight and and I have a lot of empathy for them thinking that right because most of those big box gyms that are doing the 12 week transformation programs they are prescribing 1200 1400 whatever calories to lose weight and people are losing weight in 12 weeks and so what I also want to talk about though today is that there are people who are eating 1200 calories and not losing weight and these are the women a lot of women that I'm seeing um, so yeah I just I really want to get to your expertise because you guys have been running a program how long have you had the program now for five years or something oh no 2017 we yeah. started when it life the end in October and how many women do you reckon you've had through that program? Usually we have like act because it's an active program, like people pay a membership. Yeah. We'd have between 450 to 500 usually. In a 12-week or? Oh, I know. They're just active at any one time. Yeah, right. So like we've got some clients that have been in the program two plus years. We've right. got actually a, a lady, Andrea, who was in our pilot program when we launched it in October and she's still in the program now. She's had a baby. Oh, um, I just loves it so much. Yeah, because, you know, like we're very um, into the training side of it too. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of women will master the nutrition side and <clears> then they'll just keep continuing on with the training because I yeah. think too, you know, it, it's it, and we'll talk about this is a sustainable, I guess, transformation. I mean, look, I guess it depends on your goal. If your goal is to look toned and athletic, and I hate that word toned, yeah. you do need to lift weights and build muscle. And if that's your goal, that takes time. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, you probably did the same thing. I'd smash myself on the treadmill. It's easy. You can do sprints on the treadmill. But learning how to lift is a real skill, Yeah, which takes time, I think. And we can probably, like, talk about that a little bit at the end too, like about building muscle because I think a lot of mm. women are afraid of building muscle. <clears throat> mm. And um, and 
talking about it with another guest the other day, like especially when you get to your 40s, you really need to be putting the effort in to gain muscle for health. So I guess let's start with, um, you know, you've co- you guys have coached hundreds of women. Craig, you have been monitoring all of these women's macros, calories. So you, mm-hmm. when, I, when I think about that and how many people and looking at all their food logs, that is like, better than any science clinical study that you can see because most clinical studies are only done for six weeks with a small group of people. Kitty and Craig have been looking at macros and calories for years for some of these women. So you guys are going to get some real clinical practice evidence here. Let's talk about calories to start off with (laughs) because so many people are still thinking that each or only eat 1,200 calories. Do you want to give us a bit of a basic science, Craig? You know, I was saying before, let's talk a little bit about basal monobelic rate and, you know, just just a little bit. So I I think, you know, like you mentioned before, there's those big box gyms that are doing the challenges (laughs) and they put people on 1,200 calories. I think it's really, really important to understand that they're doing that for a very particular outcome. People enter a 12-week challenge because they want to lose weight. You know, and they want that. Well, they want fat loss, but they want to lose weight. So the easiest way to do that is just cut your calories, increase your exercise. Happy days. You get to the end of the twelve weeks. Goal achieved. All right. But as we know that, uh, I think it's something like ninety-two percent of people that come out of those challenges end up putting the weight back on and more. You know, within the next kind of eight to ten weeks post that challenge. So they keep doing these challenges over and over and over and over again and and it keeps getting harder and harder and harder and people are not kind of realizing until it's kind of too late, you know, maybe a couple of years down the track that they they currently have this metabolism that's just not responding to, you know, the the, the quick fixes or it's just like, oh, it was so easy. I just cut my calorie, I just cut my calories, and then it just stops working. Your body is a highly adaptive organism and at, at its baseline roots, its whole point is for you not to die. <laughs> That's what it's designed to do. So you can beat it and beat it and beat it, and it will keep adapting and adapting and adapting. But we're not talking about you feeling optimized and sleeping well and energy. We're just talking about calories and surviving. Like that's, do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 a completely different argument at that point. Um, so then when we actually flip it and go, well, let's talk about optimization and like what does an optimized human feel what does a optimized human be what do they look like you know all these things and it's just like well you would sleep through the night you know you would have a great digestion energies would be stable mood would be pleasant (laughs) you know your menstrual cycle proof like all of these things would happen and it's the reality is all of the people that are beating themselves up by starving themselves and over exercising doing all these things don't have any of those things like they don't they don't sleep through the night. And that's where people run into this problem. They're like, well, how do I fix this? And it's just like, well, you've done it a certain way to get there. You need to literally do the opposite <laughs> to go the other way. And I think this is the biggest issue. It's just like, well, what does that actual roadmap look like? Mm. You know, how do you get there? And you sort of mentioned before that, like, we've spent years looking at macros and data and measurements and subjective measures and temper pulse and all of these things. And it's like, the reality is you can only make those kind of decisions when you have accurate data and everything that we do is very, very data driven because if anyone asks me, it's like, why is this not working? If I don't have accurate data to look at, then I can't give them an accurate answer. Mm. 
So, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this around consistency in food and all these sort of things, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you're somebody who's eating very, very low calories and things are not responding, well, you need to take a, strate- a strategic um, plan to go, okay, how do I fix this? I need to slowly start to increase calories. I need to get my uh, energy up. If I'm over-exercising, I need to pull all that back. I then need to start looking at all those subjective measures of sleep, the digestion, et cetera, and going, okay, let's just focus on these for the next X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Once we tick those off, we move to the next thing, we tick that off. And for some people, depending on how long you've been dieting in that for, it could be 12 months, it could be two years, it could be three years, it could be like, and but that's just the reality. Mm. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember as well is that different people, their physiology when it's bummed out and stressed will have a different expression of the stress, right? So yes. just because you have a low energetic system, like, you know, one of the first times of stress people say is your hair falling out. Okay. Not every woman's hair is going to fall out, no, right? Like Kitty just commented on my, I have masses and masses of hair. So, and, but I have energetic issues. So my hair didn't fall out. So some, some be very careful. A lot of women will go, oh, well, that's happening to you. That's not happening to me. I'm fine. Sure. You know, everybody's body expresses stress in a very different way. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to say was um, there's different levels of feeling. And Josh mm-hmm. talks about this a lot, you know, that in our nervous system we have, we, we, we get so numb to stuff going on because we p- keep pushing the pain further and further and further and further away. And that's I find with a lot of people who are doing 1,200 calories, doing six hit classes a week or six CrossFit classes or whatever they're doing, they are so numb to feeling. They're just like they're almost not in their body anymore. Mm-hmm. And they learn to live with so much pain as well. Like, oh, I'm just an insomniac. I haven't slept for years. Like, I'm just fine. Or they, yeah. they actually don't know how they feel. Like, they don't feel hunger anymore. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, I think this is so this is where the data that you're talking about is so super important, especially for someone who's hit that bottom rung of the nervous system where they're just numb. Mm-hmm. I think too, like, and this is not everyone, but just speaking from my own experience, I was just so like I wanted, to, I was happy when I was thin. So I was willing to put up with all that, those things because mm-hmm. I was like, I just didn't give a fuck. Sorry, I'm not supposed to be swearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you do and like there, there you, are you, so you, many women who just feel like I'm thin. I don't actually yeah, care. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to deal with this no sleep yeah. because I look in the mirror, I can fit in my skinny jeans, and everything's okay. Um, and Craig and I talk about this all. Hey, Craig, all the time because I'm really like I don't know. This must be. I'm not sure how to articulate this, but like one of my values is like I really because I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, and you know I haven't really maybe. I mean, I've always been authentic, but I just, I really feel like I have to lead by example, mm. you know, and I just, I th- I say to Craig, I'm like, I could just never, ever go back to being really lean. Like I could just never do it mm. because I know what it does to your body, you know, and I just, I just don't think that you can, you, as a woman, be really lean. Like I know that there are some women that can be leaner than others. Like it's a range, you know, it varies. Yeah. Some women consider a lower body fat. But it's just if you want to sleep well and, and, you know, have a normal cycle and be able to perform in the gym, you just can't be super lean as a woman. And I think the fitness industry really celebrates 
and idolizes women. Like we were looking at, it's just, she's just a well-known fitness model, like high up in the WBFF. And she looks incredible. Like she's so lean and so like her legs are amazing. And even I look at her and think she looks amazing, but I'm like, oh, you can't be like that kid. Like mm. it's just, it's not, re- it's, it's not real. It's not a good way to live. It's not a healthy way to live. But, and even I think that even I look at her and go, oh, she looks great. You know, but that's what, what the fitness industry is now. I think it's just, um, they're so idolized, those mm. lean, hard bodies. It's sort of hard to get away from. I think you've just got to. I think it is. I mean, I was talking to someone who's in the modeling industry this morning, and she and I used to be in the modeling industry, and we like we used to be on shoots, and you just didn't eat all day. Like, Mm. there's no food. Like, what does anyone eat food for? Um, You know, and that's just that whole industry. And but that is how models look like that. Quite a lot of of them. Not all of them. Like some of them are naturally that thin, but quite a lot of them look like that so you know i think we have to get we have to get past this unreal idea of what women should look like um you need to start unfollowing everyone i think you need to start getting your filter on hopefully after this chat today we're going to talk about calories and all these kind of myths around that that you'll be able to look at instagram and have a bit more of a filter and look at like when all these celebrities do my day on a plate you can look at it and actually go um are you a rabbit yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, because this is like women are like constantly coming to you, I'm following this so-and-so and she made this and, and I'm like, okay, that's great for uh, morning tea, but what are you going to eat for the other, what was that post you put on the other day called, what am I going to eat for the rest of the day? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, eat 1,200 calories and I'm like, that's what I eat before lunch. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to eat for? It's funny too, like you, you know, recently you've been sending me some like, links to because obviously I've got my boobs out and yeah. yeah and I just bounced back from so obviously it was painful the first week but within like six weeks I was back to full training the scars yeah. have healed really well I've bounced back really quickly and you've been sending me all these links of these women and Emma has too have got their their implants out and they're just not recovering yeah and they're like vegan or they just don't eat any food and it's yeah. just like well, mm. you're not giving your body the energy that it needs but yeah. and these, these are fitness people these are influencers that have like 500,000 followers and women, you know, think that it's okay to eat that amount of food, but it's like your body is not going to thrive if yeah. you starve it. Like a metaphor that I always use with coaches because, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty simple. I like to have things in really simple, easy to understand um, metaphors. But, like, you're, you're running a company and, you know, COVID hits and all of a sudden revenue drops and it's like you're like, okay, cool, how can we keep the company alive? You know, you, you have to cut departments and things get cut. So, like, your body's the same. If you suddenly drop calories and you increase your output, your body has to, you know, downregulate things and, you know, like menstruation, for example, your period. It, you don't need that to survive. You can survive without a period. You can live, but yeah. it's not healthy. Your body downregulates, you know, hydrochloric acid and your, you know, digestive enzymes and your sleep starts to suffer because your body's just going, okay, cool, where can I cut corners? So that you can basically, so you don't die. Yeah, so you don't die. So your body (laughs) will always sacrifice your longer term health for short term survival. And yes, you will lose weight. You will. I've done it myself. I lived off low calories and I was small and thin, but I was also didn't sleep. You know, really bad period issues, miscarriage, polyps. Like had these cancerous cells removed off my all this stuff. Irregular periods. You know, hair was one of my hair used to fall out in the shower. Um, and 
I guess I, it wasn't until I sort of met Craig and met Emma and realized that like I had to stop looking at the scale as this like measure of my success and how happy I was going to be, how thin I was going to be. Because I think that women, you know, it's like when you actually eat enough food and nourish your body and strength train, your body is going to regulate to whatever weight, whatever body fat is healthy for you. And sometimes like in our program, we have to really sit with clients and say, look, what you want is not healthy. Mm. You want to be 18% body fat, but your period, you've got no period. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, sometimes I think you have to, like me, for example, I was always wanted to be 62 kilos or under. I'm like 69 kilos now. Mm. You know, I had to get out of my head that that weight was a good weight for me. It's like, but I think what really helped me, and we'll talk about this as we go on, is, you know, I love strength training. Mm. So I met Craig and I was like, oh, he showed me how to lift. I met Emma. She taught me how to eat. And then Craig's like, okay, you got to eat more so that you can lift more. And, I, and it suddenly it clicked for me. Mm. And I just focused on, okay, what's the weight that I can put on the bar? Like I really wanted to see that increase. And I sort of, you know, the two clicked. I was like, oh, see, I seem to perform better when I eat more food. <laughs> You know, when I actually feel my body and eat regularly. And then as I did it and got more consistent and I got stronger, my body started to change. I got heavier, but mm. I started to build muscle, you know, and I started to like in my own head thinking, oh, you, you're looking like this healthy, toned, athletic, you know, like Craig talks about the, the more toned, athletic version of yourself. You know, I think women, you've got to stop like destroying the body you have with cardio and restrictive diets and start building a body. You can even see it in your face. Like I quite often repost that picture of you, what you look like before and what you look like now. And so many people message me and go, oh, my God, she looks so much better now. I know. Like you've got, know. you've got fullness in your face. Like you could go and spend a fortune getting fillers and Botox or you could just eat more food. I know. But it takes time. It takes time. Like you said, like yeah. so many women in our, especially we notice it in the challenges because we get a lot of women that are, very new to this way of eating and I'm I'm pretty blunt like I don't really fluff things up and a lot of them go I'm just really disappointed that I haven't seen any body composition change any centimeters changes in the last three weeks and I'm like why I said why did you expect that I said you've been doing what you've been doing for 20 years yeah I said you've only been doing this for three weeks you have to shift your focus to a long longer term focus game yeah yeah and start looking you know like what really helped me I was like where are your numbers at in the gym? Obviously, if your metabolism is good and you're sleeping and everything's good, you know, because obviously I think if you've got a lot of work to do there, heavy strength training is probably not the best thing to do initially. But let's say that, you know, your subjective measures are good, you know, where are your lifts at? You know, mm. have you added weight to your deadlift and your bench and your squat? And they're like, no, I'm like, well, go and put your focus there instead of thinking about cutting calories because that's what's going to get you the body that you want. Mm. You know, and I think we just, all we think about is cut, 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 cut. And it's like, well, build, yeah, build, build. build. such a good way of looking at it. Build the robust metabolism. Like now I eat, like I've sort of been tracking my calorie because we've been testing the app. So we've been putting stuff into it and I'd average now minimum 2,500. And I just think like, if I ate 1,800 calories, I'd be shredded. If I ate 1,800 calories, I'd be like, so, but I'd be not sleeping. So and I know a lot of women would look at me and think, oh, I'll never get there. But there's women in our program like Anna Hansel, she's like 57 kilos, eats, but she's so consistent, 2,400 calories and she's lean. Yeah. You know, and it really is, it's that, and she's been doing it for two years. Mm. So you've got to remember, it's like, like when you sit there and go, okay, I've been doing something for 20 years and I'm expecting results in 12 weeks, like how unrealistic that sounds. No, it's so unrealistic. You've got, you've got to be, I think, I feel like women need to take a bit more ownership 
and responsibility and start going, I'm going to stop taking the shortcut. I'm going to start like you and I talked about on the podcast is really taking that ownership and, 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 and like going, well, I did what I did to myself for this many years. I have to own that. Well, yeah, you need to stop outsourcing your results to other people. Mm. Um, but I do have a lot of empathy for people because they've been the, I always say this to people, the fitness industry, most of it is based on the lie that I'm not worthy of love and belonging unless I am lean enough, whatever it is. And they sell that lie over to you and over to you again and again. But until you take responsibility and stop believing that and start going, actually, I am worthy of love and belonging because of all these awesome things about me that have nothing to do with the way that I look you will keep believing that lie. So I'm going to pass it over to you now, Craig. I really want to get into the basics. We talked about this, Keith and I, and people were shocked after I interviewed Keith. We talked about sleep, that how much energy you need to sleep. Mm. So let's start with the basics. Yeah. So do you, what do you want yeah, to... Yeah, let's like, well, let's let's talk about like basal metabolic rate basics. Like we can't mm. measure it. You can explain that too, but let's just start. How many calories does someone need to to live, like before they've even got out of bed in the morning? Yeah, and I mean that's it's it's such a loaded question because you've got to look at the person and look at their life and the stress and how active they are. And it's like, do you have kids waking up during the night? Like all of these things are going to influence it more. But the reality is, for us, I mean. Regardless of where the person at, I mean, we we generally try and push people up to eighteen hundred calories plus, like as rapidly as possible, because we generally find that that will have the biggest change. Like certainly for someone who's been eating lower calories or eating really low calories and then like binge eating, mm-hmm. if we can get them stable around that kind of mark, and and that's just a number. Like you know, I'm sure some people go, oh, "That's how are you actually working that out?" And I'm like. We work that out because we've been doing this for a really long time and when you get enough data, you realise that, yes, there's enough BMR calculators on the internet that tell you your height and weight and you should be eating this much, whatever, but the reality is I don't put any stock in any of them or in any of the scientific studies because at the end of the day, if you weren't a part of that study, then it's irrelevant to you. Each and every person is an individual with different circumstances, with different you know, genetics and all of these things that at the end of the day, whatever you decide to start at in terms of a calorie range is literally just a start point. You will then assess all of the data based off that start point. So let's just say we start someone at 1800 calories. We then go, okay, let's do it for seven days. Let's get you choosing the right foods and let's get you as consistent as possible with those foods and hitting, you know, the appropriate macronutrient ratio, protein, carbs, and fats. And then it's just like test and measure. After seven days, what happened? Did your weight go up? Did your measurements go up? Did your sleep improve? Did it not improve? Did your digestion improve? Da, 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 all of these things. And it's going to paint a very clear picture of where you're at. And then if at the end of that, you're like, yeah, all these things improved, but I'm still really hungry. Cool. Let's bump it up a little bit more. And you keep bumping it up until you start to see all of these things improve. And if anyone was to look at that and go, well, based off your height, you shouldn't be eating that much. And it's just like, I've got all of this data here to say otherwise, Mm. (laughs) because this is about me as the individual. It just, I I think one of my biggest pet peeves is that people get so caught up in studies. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't read studies. Like they give us all of these frameworks and guidelines to kind of structure things by, but at the end of the day, the studies are just that 
you look at them, you nod your head and go, okay, that's very interesting. How does it actually work for me? Tested measure. Compliance is the science, right? You stay consistent with what you're doing. You measure the outcome. It's any science experiment in the world. If they weren't accurate with their data, you wouldn't even look at it twice because you go, well, we can't trust the results of this because it's inaccurate. You are exactly the same thing. You are your own scientific experiment. You set a base, you be consistent with it, you measure the outcome, and then you make adjustments from that. That's why you know, a lot of the time we'll get messages from people go, what macro split do you think I should be at? And I'm like, to be honest, like, yes, there are some basic things we need to take into account. But if you're someone who's fairly new to this, it's just like, let's just find a happy medium where you can eat the food and eat it every day. If that means you start a little bit lower, okay, we'll start you a little bit lower, but the goal is to build that up over time. And then we just, we just measure the things that you can actually measure and manipulate. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, I try and make this as uncomplex as possible because I feel like everyone's overcomplicating this mm. and it really isn't that complicated. It's just measure the things that you can measure, look at the outcomes, adjust accordingly. <laughs> 100%, 100%. And I think it's, you know, there's a, there's quite a few people like especially that I've seen that have lost their appetite and lost their digestive, you know, yeah function and so you do have to go right well i need you to do a food diary so i can see where we're at and this is the thing about food diaries right they actually give us as coaches the feedback of where we need to start with you and what are the first steps you need to take yeah yeah, and a coach i don't know you probably agree with me but I, i cannot understand anyone who works with people with nutrition who doesn't make you do a food diary I just, I just, I can't understand. Because, I mean, you you have to have an understanding of what the person's doing because if you if you make such a drastic change, a lot of the time people just won't stick to it. They're like, mm. well, this is way too much food or this is way too little food or I haven't been eating carbs for the last 10 years. This is too many carbs. Like you've got to understand what the person's doing and find a happy medium that you can slowly, eventually you want them doing exactly how you want to do it but there has to be a transition period there where you go, okay, let's look at the person. This is what they've been doing. This is where we start, you know? And, and a lot of the time that there are things you're taking into account, but it's not a perfect science, right? You know, like I, I will base protein based off a person's lean mass. You know, I will base um, fat generally. I, I generally like to keep fat on the lower end because I don't see, any real physiological benefit from it over past a certain point. It's nice to eat more fat, but it, it doesn't really offer you that much more. Um, and we want to be fueling the body with as much carbohydrate as possible, but that can often backfire depending on the person. Well, exactly right. If you've got someone that's come from a ketogenic diet, yeah, eating, and most people think ketogenic diets are high-protein diets, they're actually high-fat yeah. diets. So they're eating 50% fat, you know, like 10% less than 10% carbohydrate and you say to them, all right, start <laughs> drinking orange juice four times a day to get your glucose. <laughs> they are going, they're probably carbohydrate intolerant and they're going to have a negative response. Wastefully converting it, you know, and stores as fat because of high free fatty acids and things like, like, it, I mean, all of these things are just so blunt, but again, you'll be able to pick that up very, very quickly if the person's tracking and you have this data. Mm. You know what I mean? Like people are like, oh, I've been doing this for six months and I've put on 30 kilos. I'm like, well, how did that happen? Well, you just told me to drink. I'm like, I no, you've you've heard what you've wanted to hear at this point. That's yeah. absolutely not what we've said. It's like we want to eventually get to that point. It's just like start slow. 
add it in as you can. And, and, and sometimes, you know, juice can be one of the worst things that people can have, you know, depending on the type of juice they're getting, you know, and I think that's another thing that, you know, often people don't look at is actually like food sources that can set off yeah. certain digestive issues. And, you know, so it's, and if that's not in a diary, you as a coach won't know. I remember I think I saw Tomo post the other day said a client said that ice cream didn't work for her. And then finally he said, well, can you send me a picture of the packet from the ice cream? And then there was like a few additives and stuff. Or she mm. said dairy didn't work for her. Mm. This is ice cream or a yogurt or something. He's like, oh, well, this additive and this preservative do X, Y, and Z to the body. It's not the dairy. Mm-hmm. It is the source and the processing and the packaging of this particular dairy product yes. that is upsetting you, yeah. not dairy of itself. And so if you don't keep a food log, us as coaches, we can't help work that out for you. Yeah. Um, and I think the people the thing that people don't understand about food diaries is the, the, the point of the food diary really ultimately is so that you can be empowered about your own health. Like, most people say, oh, I don't need, you know, oh, I think on Monday I ate, um, oh, how to be this, how to be that. Oh, actually, I don't remember. What did I eat on Tuesday? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and then you mm-hmm. say to them, well, what do you think your problem is? Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm eating too much. Da, da, da. And then they're actually eating nothing or they mm-hmm. ate nothing one day and too much. Until someone actually commits to doing a food diary, they don't, they, they don't know what they're doing. Most people don't know what they ate yesterday. No. Yeah, they don't. They 100%. And I think it forces them to, like, build good habits as well, you know, like eating regularly, balancing your blood sugar. And we notice it in this constant feedback we give in our challenges is you'll log into their food diary and one day they're eating a 1,000. You know, they've set their macronutrient targets to, you know, to start with, to start to test. And, like, one day they're eating a 1,000, the next day they're eating 1,200, the next day they're eating 1,800 you know, and most of the time they're under eating. And it's just that you see the ones that actually do it consistently and really hit those macro targets, balance their blood sugar and do it consistently, see changes, Yeah, you know, and it's just, and as soon as they start to do it, they're like, oh, my God, I've, I've got so much more energy. Mm. Like I'm starting to sleep through the night, you know. We often will get women that come from other people's programs, like, you know, we're about body composition change and improving the metabolism, but we don't work with people who really you know, like you work with, like we would refer people on um, with very serious issues. Um, And we'll get sometimes women come from other people's programs that they've worked with and they've had some serious metabolic conditions, digestive issues, maybe PCOS, and they've gained a lot of weight in the process, which is pretty normal for some of these women and needed. And now they want to actually lose body fat. And this one lady in the challenge, just as she'd come from another program and she's like, oh, my temper, everything was good. They'd got everything to a really good place. And all we did was to set her macros and I got to eat the same thing for three weeks, just about. She was really consistent. Every single week, her centimeters dropped. Her temp and pulse was good. She did her training. Mm. I think people underestimate the impact at consistency mm. of eating and, you know, balancing that blood sugar every day and your body getting used to the foods, like finding those foods that really work for you. Because, you know, like you say, Lula, it's, it's the things that I eat. It's not the same that you eat. It's not the same that Craig eats. It's about finding your optimal, but you'll never be able to find that unless you track and you test and you measure. Um, and you don't and have I, to measure forever. I think that's what's yeah. important for people. No. Like yeah. I only track and measure now if I want to try something different 
you know, to get a different result or I just want to mm. check in and see, you know, mm. I might say I felt a bit shit last week. I wonder if something's going on, you mm. know. Um, and for me, for a process, because I was such an adrenaline junkie, like I could just work all day and not eat enough food and then I'd eat too much food at night time. For me, when I started tracking was that I had to actually make a commitment to eat consistently throughout the day. And then yep. once I'd done that and I've got my... I stopped having all this adrenaline from loving what I do so much. I'd actually stop and go, oh, I'm actually hungry. And mm. I'd just go, you know what, I work in health and fitness, so I'm just going to eat in front of you. And if you don't like it, you can just, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone, I say it to everyone now, I'm just going to eat because we're having a meeting in the middle of my snack time, so we're just going to mm. eat together. So and then I didn't have to track anymore because I knew how much and how many times a day I needed to yeah. eat. And the people yeah. don't understand it's not forever and ever that you have to do it. <clears throat> and also you'll get to a point, like I noticed you do it, Kitty, where you go, well, well actually, I want to see what happens if I increase my training load. Mm. Then you have to start tracking again because you have to make sure you don't eat too little. Mm. So you, you're getting the data so that you go, well, am I actually getting the strength gains that I want, the muscle gains that I want, et cetera? And am I, you know, waking up in the morning, recovering from training, checking my temperature and pulse? So you start, you might start tracking again. So it's not like you're going to become a slave to a food. Ah. Well, I find it <laughs> really interesting. have to count every calorie and, yeah. you know, <clears throat> it just depends I, what you want to get out of your life as well, right? Like we're high-performing people. Yeah, you want to be optimized. going to come back to tracking at some point because that's just me. I'm a high achiever. You know, I, I'd like to set a goal for something, you know, um, well, this is interesting, actually, just thinking about this, Craig. What do you think? What do you think doing all this tracking and data and everything has taught you about women who've come from intuitive eating? Uh, that they're not very intuitive. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I, a bit I, of a stigma. I think a lot of people don't actually know what makes them feel good, right? Because they're in that rung of numbness. Yeah. Mm. Well, again, it, it, you know, it's probably going to repeat myself a number of times here, but it's it's just. So in our program, when I ask someone, I'm like, you know, like, how's, how's the food go? How's the week been? Whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's all been good, whatever. And I'm like, cool, show me. Show me your logs. You know, send me your, send me your, your screen graphs, et cetera, and whatever. And, and if they can't do it, even if they are like, look at me dead in the eye and just going, I've been on point, I've been on, and I just don't know why. And I'm like, if you can't show me your accuracy of what you've been doing, if you can't actually show it to me, then I just don't believe you. And that's not a personal attack at you, but what I do know that there is enough science around uh, tracking data where they've done it with like general pop people and then high-performing athletes where they've gotten the high-performing athletes to, and, and the general pop was obviously a lot worse, but the, the high-performing athletes, they got them to track their food for seven days and then the following seven days, they just got them to intuitively eat. All of these uh, athletes uh, miscalculated their intake by up to 40%. Now, these are people who know this stuff really well. Like like all of us, we would know how to eat our food and, and do all that sort of stuff. So even when these people who know what they're doing, they still get it wrong and by a big margin. So anyone else who's, who's not even in that degree, I'm just like, I don't believe you. You have to, you have to show me this data because it's the only way I can help you because – I, I and I say to clients a lot of bit. I'm like, you need to look at me like you're an you, you're accountant, not your father. Okay, I, I'm not here to judge you or tell you what you shouldn't shouldn't be eating. You're an adult. You can make those decisions for yourself. I'm simply here to interpret the data 
So then I can make the best logical decisions moving forward on what we need to change, manipulate, or keep the same. So I think the whole intuitive eating thing just makes the whole process completely void because you really have no idea what you're sticking down your neck at any given time. It's like, oh, I ate a bit of this and I ate a bit of that. And I'm like, well, how much was it? Oh, it was roughly about, so you don't know. So the data you provided me is inaccurate. And I, and, and I've, again, I understand that some people don't want to go to that length degree and that's totally fine. Again, I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to be your father, but what I am telling you if, from a coaching perspective, for us to be able to do our job to the very best of our ability, we need accurate data. You're not paying for us to guess. So the more you go down this path, the more we can do our job, but also the more knowledge you gain about what works for you as an individual, all right? Because what works for some doesn't work for others. What works for me may not work for you. And to, 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 to find that structure of eating, how many meals a day, the, the types of foods that you're going to have, you know, for breakfast or when you're on the go or, you know, at night when you're with your family, like that's going to be different for everyone. So it's like that part of it takes time, but the only way you're going to know legitimately what's going to work for you is if you just sit a plan and stick to it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Look, I'm not, I'm, you know, like women in our program, they're single mums, four kids, all this. Is like, I'm not saying that this is hard, but you need to be realistic mm-hmm. in your expectation of how quickly things can improve. The quicker you can get on board with this, the quicker you can implement the changes we're telling you to do and be be consistent and have that data, the better things are going to happen. But also we can actually make the changes relevant on a week-to-week basis around what actually needs to happen. And it's just, I think over time you move down and you get to the point where, you know, we kind of talk about you get to this kind of maintenance period where, you know, you're happy with the body that you're in, you've got some, you've built some good strength, metabolism's good, sleeping through the night, you're handling stress well, all of these things are improved. Sure, then you can absolutely take the foot off the gas. You don't need to track everything, right? And But you'll probably find you'll come back to it when you go through times of stress. You're like, I need to track my food right now because I'm starting to feel mm. pretty wiped out. And like you said, it's just like you start skipping meals and these habits. Are, I mean, I still track my food like all the time. Like I, I don't ever take the gas. I might take it off for one day, like if we're away or something like that. But the reality is I still track my food because I just, for me, I value feeling the best that I can. And for me, because I might, might be a little bit inherently lazy in certain areas of my life, that, that this keeps me honest and keeps me uh, on board with how am I feeling right now? I'm feeling a bit flat or I'm feeling like low, low blood sugar, what's going on? Oh, I've missed meal. I haven't eaten a meal since X amount of time or whatever. It just, all of these things just work best for me and keeping my structure within my life. Mm. But there has to be that. There has to be a structure in there that you can follow, that allows you to have, um, you know, this data that you can work off. Um, and I think the data is really important because we take for granted. I think a lot of people how much we are influenced by things in our mind from our past, or you know, people mm. can go and watch the Game Changers movie or watch some. Exactly video of an animal getting slaughtered and then all of a sudden they're saying I don't need protein it's like okay cool let's do a week without protein yeah let's log it yes let's take temperature and pulse let's train let's you know have that pea protein whatever that little thing is uh, Hmm. have it and let's see if we can still get the same results when you're not eating you know and so 
that's the same for people who are like, sugar is bad. I can't. I've just been told my whole entire life that sugar is bad. Yes. Okay. So let's, this is what, why food diary is so important because like Craig has seen a million diaries, but he's still not going to know what's right for you. Kitty's seen a million diaries. She's not going to go, I've, you know, been doing this for 18 years. I'm not going to know. I remember like this client saying to me forever and ever, I, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat gluten. She ate some. I was like, your numbers are actually really good. Yes. Maybe you can eat gluten. So we tried it for a while. We worked out that she could eat sourdough a couple of times a week and her body was really good with it. Yeah. You know, so it gets rid of all these dogmas. Yes. And limiting beliefs, you know, even stuff that you got from your mom when you were five and she was like, sick, sugar makes your teeth fall out and you've never <laughs> been able to, you know, or whatever it is where you got it. If you eat that, you'll get fat, which a lot of parents have said to people, you know, yeah. like I was told that milk would make me fat when I was a kid because I used mm. to drink like two litres of it a day. And my yeah. dad was like, have you seen Have you seen her? She's a beanpole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so sometimes we actually need the food log to get out of our own head and to tell us stop watching Netflix, get off Instagram, and just focus on ourself. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with all that because, and, and it brings up a point, and and women are a little bit more prone to this, and I say that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> yeah, this little look on your face, like, what is this a safe <laughs> space for me to say? That? <laughs> um, obviously, women are a lot more emotional than guys. Like, I work with a small group of guys, and it's guys are robots you find a, a happy medium of what they like and they're like, no, I don't want recipes. I want to, I just want to eat the same thing every day. And I'm like, oh my God, you're just, you're so wonderful to work with. And then, you know, I get it. Like females are generally a lot more emotional, a lot more emotional eating and, and things like that. And that's, that's all cool. But again, having that data, what it does is remove the emotion because mm-hmm. often we, we will get, you know, women in the program will sort of say, oh, I feel like I'm getting fat. I feel like, you know, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling puffy and I'm like, so that's a feeling. Can't measure your feelings. Let, what does your data say? What did you last check in? You know, what, what is the last couple of weeks of your check-in say? Oh, it says my centimeters are coming down. Okay. So does your feeling actually mean anything? Or are you just having a bad day or did you just not sleep well? Maybe the night before you just retain yeah. a little bit more fluid that's going to disperse at the moment you get a good night's sleep. Let's make sure we're measuring apples with apples here. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's like, again, the data, like when they see it, they just go, oh, yeah, you're right. No, it's all, it's fine. So, again, from a, a coaching perspective, it's, it allows us to, to, for us as coaches, but then the person to just go, this is actually what it is. All right. It's not fat gain. It's not any of these things that you're dreaming in your head or you've talked yourself into, or, you know, maybe someone said a comment to you that you were when it's totally throwing you off your game for the next two days. Oh, this person said this and this really upset me. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. But let's actually see what it is. Let's mm. see what the data says otherwise. So don't worry about it. Do you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. I think, I think too, like women, and we we'll see this, like they'll have these meltdowns. Oh, but Kitty, you know, like, when am I going to start seeing my body change? I've gained all this weight. And I'm like, you've gained 200 grams. Um, you haven't gained all this weight. And I'm like, have you done your check-in? Let's look at your food diary. Oh, but I've been 80%. You know, I've had some drinks on the weekend and I've had takeaway. and But I really want to see results and only be 80%. And I'm like, well, it's you've done this for the last three weeks. Being 80%, has you got the results that you want? 
And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you're probably going to have to be closer to 100% if you want to see, you know, some body composition changes. Like mm-hmm. she was starting to feel better. And I said, no, I'm not telling you what's right or wrong. But if you tell me you want to lose body fat, yeah, you've, you've got to dial in a bit more. You know, if that's your goal, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it makes you get out of the emotion and just into the facts yeah. and you can't run away from it. Yeah. Like it, it keeps you a bit honest, I think, as well. I think sometimes as well, women, I don't know where we get this perception of what we look like. I really don't know. Like I encourage every woman to get out and look at photos from 10 years ago when you thought you were fat and look at them properly. Yeah. Look at them properly. You weren't fat. So like where we get this. And so I've had to say to clients sometimes they're like, I want to be a size six, but why? Yeah, yeah. Why do you need to be that size? We really need to have a look at this. I'll say to some clients too, I want you to throw out all your size six clothes, go and buy a whole bunch of size eight or size 10 or whatever you are, cut the tag off. Yeah. That's going to help you. Don't tell anyone. No one's going to find out. And then look at yourself in the jeans in the mirror Mm. and realise that the blood's not being cut off to your feet. And you don't have a muffin top. You don't have muffin tops. You're just wearing jeans that were too tight that were squeezing the skin out of the top of your jeans. Mm. And, you know, just we've got to stop this bullshit with the perception of, you know, what we look like. Like I look back at myself and I think the healthiest I look was size 10. But when Mm. I was modelling it was like size 6 or 8 because that's what size a model is. Mm. But I look at that with my mature self-responsible scientific brain and ask my my husband i look better as a size 10 even Mm. though all those years are you know we've got to change our perception so the biggest perception we need to change is that food is energy how much energy we need and so we need to rebuild which is what craig's been talking about what do we do after rebuilding craig what do you do with your clients um so, you know, again, if we're looking at it from a uh, body composition change perspective, we, we need to look at what physical activity is going to um, contribute to improving that and obviously continue to improve metabolism. So it's really, really interesting. Like when Kitty and I first met, I, I didn't – and when was that? Back in 2014 or something, I think. I, I had no idea about – repeat or you know this this world of you know pre-metabolic eating and, and like i didn't know any of these things all i understood was the amount of food that you eat on a daily basis controls your body weight mm. uh at, at, you know at, 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 a, at a simple level and the, the the amount of weight that you add to the bar will control how much muscle mass you can put on right if you're adding more weight to the bar and your execution and your standardization of your reps and forms etc is on point as you get stronger more more muscle mass will go on so it was really obvious. I'm like, okay, you measure the amount of food that you eat and you measure your strength going up, right? So how does the fat come off? And it's like what I realize is fat is a byproduct of getting those other two things right, right? So when we look at um, body composition, we're looking at, you know, if we remove your bones and organs and all those things that we can't affect, your body is made up primarily of lean mass and fat mass, Okay. Lean mass, we can manipulate by getting stronger. It will grow. Our total body weight is based off the amount of food that we we eat. Our fat mass is the difference in between. So, for example, let's say you're a 75-kilo female. You're eating 2,000 calories a day, and that's what's maintaining your 75 kilos of body weight. 
you start going to the gym, you start lifting weights, and let's say you put on two kilos of lean muscle mass, right? And if you're if you're a beginner, right, two kilos, it it wouldn't take that long to put on. You know, it, it certainly takes certainly for women a lot longer as you become more advanced. But initially, you know, that might be depending on how well and you can lift and how hard you train, you know, maybe six to eight months, something like that. 75 kilo female, 2,000 calories a day. That's what's maintaining a 75 kilos of body weight. She goes to the gym, tracks all her lifts. She gets stronger, puts on two kilos of lean muscle mass, but still eating the same amount of food that's maintaining her 75 kilos of body weight. If two kilos of lean muscle mass has gone on, that means two kilos of fat has come off because her total body weight has not changed, but her composition has changed based off the activity that she's doing, which is not cardio or anything else that doesn't build muscle. She's lifting weights only. Muscle mass goes on. You can measure that. Total body weight, you can measure by the amount of food that you eat. Fat comes off. All right? So that's what we call body recomposition. Generally happens a lot more with people um, who are kind of newer to training um, or like legitimate training. Um, Happens a little bit more with with some advanced people. It's a little bit harder to do, so you, you then need to kind of change your approach. But that's basically the simple part of it is that when you want to get into shape, you need to look at the things that are conducive to uh, changing that body composition. You lift weights, you eat, and you sleep and recover. <laughs> that's about it, okay? You continue to adjust your calories based on your performances, um, you know, if you're finding that all of a sudden you're getting like super hungry and you're under recovering, you either need to look at your training volume and intensity and you either need to manipulate that or you need to start eating some more food. Either way, you just continue to measure both of those. And it's, again, it's a very, very simple process. You don't need to overcomplicate it. You just need to be consistent and measure the things that actually matter. So from a physical standpoint, like way back when I first met Kitty, like that's the basis that I knew. I then didn't under, start to understand, you know, cellular metabolism and, you know, all of the things that we know now from working with Emma and all these wonderful people reading Kate Deering's book and all these things um, and how much other things do influence uh, your ability to get in shape and, and you know, digestion and all that. But it's, it's just really interesting that having a functioning metabolism also runs hand in hand with having, more lean muscle mass and being in shape. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. Does that make sense? Is, yes, definitely. I mean, I think this is what makes sense to me because I know. So I hope it makes sense to the listeners. <laughs> but um, I think it's, yeah, people really miss out on that piece that muscle mass is what increases your metabolism. Yes. Muscle mass is what increases your mitochondria more yes. mitochondria you have, the better cellular function you're going to have. This is what's anti-aging, all of that stuff. So if you are doing excess cardio or you're just going to hit every single day, which you can't actually do if you're doing real hit, mm. you are not going to put on muscle mass because you actually need to eat enough food to be able to put on muscle mass. You need to sleep enough so that while you're asleep, the food that you have on board is creating the new mitochondria that you need. Mm-hmm. and then you're going to increase your metabolic rate. You're also going to increase your cellular respiration, all that sort of stuff. And what women really need to be aware of is that the older you get, the less, the harder it is to build muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And what women need to understand is that they need 
muscle mass. You need it. Otherwise, you will have issues when you are in your 40s and 50s with perimenopause, postmenopause. You, the, I, can't, I don't remember what the rate is that you lose muscle mass after 40 but it's so important for your bone mineral density and this is a huge problem I'm seeing with clients coming to me in their 40s and 50s and dieting most of their lives mm. they're going through either early menopause in their 40s or they're having horrific menopause and I've got clients who have the worst disc injuries or spinal injuries that are just degenerative and they think happened in an accident or something like that. This is years of malnutrition and lack of strength training to feed the muscle so the muscle can grow properly and withstand everyday life, yeah. right? Women are really missing out on this piece, how important it is. If you starve yourself, you starve your bones, you starve your face, it starts to cave in and then you want to get Botox and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So collagen... Yeah comes from eating great food not from an, a needle in a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon <laughs> you mm. know well no, we're doing such bad stuff to ourselves yeah it's, oh. it's crazy like a, again if you wanted to keep it simple like you look at it as a, as a just a supply and demand ratio right your demand is high you have life you have work you have kids uh you have then training and for for a lot of women it's not training in the way that's conducive to improving, you know, uh, metabolism and, and body composition. It's just beating and beating and beating yourself up doing these. Uh, I like to say like almost insulting type uh, exercise routines where they get you to do burpees mm. and, you know, you go and do a pump class where you do like 300 poorly designed squats and mm. it's outrageous the amount of women that have come into our program and we can't actually get them to squat to a, to a quality that we like because they've got no cartilage left in their knees because they've been doing pump classes for the last mm -hmm. 20 years. They haven't been going through full range of motion. They haven't actually developed the stability there. And that, and it's just like, man, there's just not a lot I can do with you. Like we, we need to find literally exercises that just don't cause you pain. And when we're talking about hip and knee flexion, it's just like, well, like they're all kind of the same. You've got different squat variations and leg press and stuff, but they're still doing the same thing. So it's, it's, it's just, it kind of just baffles me where your demand is so high, but the supply continues to go down because you're not measuring the things that matter mm -hmm. and you're basing it off feelings, not data. So it's like, we've got this whole thing completely asked backwards. It's like the supply needs to come up, like the demand needs to come down as much as we can within our life, but then the demands that we're putting on our body need to be from a positive effect, you know, mm -hmm. something that's conducive to improving our, our overall system. And as you said, like the more muscle mass you have, the more calories that you need because it's calorically expensive tissue. So you, you get to eat more, the more calories you're consuming, higher metabolism, like it's just a very obvious positive flow on effect, but you can't expect to continue to beat yourself and beat yourself and beat yourself in the ground to hopefully become this very tired, very weak version of yourself. Like it, it doesn't make sense. How do you think that starving yourself and, and not doing anything that's from a building perspective is going to improve? It, it, it's not. You need muscle mass. You need to eat food to fuel it. 
you need to make sure you're setting up your training in a way that gives you the most stimulus to less fatigue ratio. You need to be making sure that your execution of your movements is of a point where it's creating stability and taking the muscles, depending on the exercise, through that full range of motion as much as possible, right? You need to be tracking the overloading mechanism. You then need to look at your training recovery. If it's getting too much, you pull it back or you take a deload. If it's too little and nothing's changing, you need to increase it to a degree. And then you like you, and you just, that, that's, that's the little bubble that you need to stay in, mm. you know? And then it's like, if you want to then go and walk on your off days and, you know, like you sort of mentioned off air before about talking about NEAT and that sort of thing, which is um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So just from you scratching your head or going to the bathroom and stuff that all requires energy, right? So sure. You can go and do stuff that's very low intense, that's not going to eat into your recovery abilities, you know, and like we live on the Gold Coast, we're in the summer, we like to go for a swim and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely do all that sort of stuff. But just making sure that we're still looking at the things that matter. How much food are you eating on a daily basis from a training perspective? How much are you doing? Are you doing it accurately? Are you overloading it appropriately? And are you recovering from it? Right. And then it's just, that's, that's, that's it. Like that's, you, you go about your fucking day after that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think as well, like women really take for granted how much energy, like how stressful life is. Like, and yeah. I say this to clients so many times. Yeah. I find the morning from when I wake up to actually when I get to my desk is actually the most stressful part of the day because yeah. I have to make sure that everybody else in the house yes. is ready and on time and all that sort of stuff. So I have to, as soon as I wake up, go and have a snack before I deal yeah. with anybody else. And then I have breakfast. So there's actually a lot of food in this time of the day. Like, you know, people really undervalue how much energy and output goes out at that time of the yeah. day so you know yeah. having a morning snack is so key not fasting until mid-morning when mm. everyone's gone and you know and if you're not mm. logging and you're not doing the data okay so I take my temperature and pulse when I wake up what is it I have a snack and I have breakfast okay what is it after breakfast versus I don't eat all morning I run around like crazy after one take out my temperature and pulse what is it totally bottomed out okay maybe we should just stop bloody fasting. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then you get to 3 p.m. and you just hit the wall, you know. Like, it's oh, like but then I'll go to the gym because it'll wake me up. You go to uh, the gym, you know, and then you, you <laughs> take a pre-workout or they drink black coffee on an empty stomach. You know, it's just ah oh, man, like, I mean, it it is just a recipe. You just you can't keep stressing your system like that day after day, day after day, week after week, month after year after year. Fact mm. that shit's not going to go pear shaped. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, like <laughs> but let's let's talk about caloric deficits because it is true a caloric deficit is how you stimulate a weight loss response, body composition change, whatever. But people are really yeah. missing out understanding what a caloric deficit is. Like twelve thousand calories is not is way too much. Like you know, people don't realize that every time they diet that low, you slow your metabolism, I think, by like 23% or something. Like all That's the right. biggest loser content contestants slowed mm. their basal better metabolic rate by about 600 calories on average across all of them. Who knows what it was individually? So that yes. means that from doing that program, they have to eat 600 calories less than they did before the program to get a response, which is why so many of them put the weight back on. Yep. So but a caloric deficit does influence a weight loss response. Craig, can you yes. please talk us through 
how you would with a client start doing caloric deficits and how many different kinds of caloric deficits there are because there are many. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just... Like just an what, example, you know, it's so individualised. No, 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 100%. So here's the thing. Um, you need to earn the right to put yourself into a caloric deficit. And by that, I mean all of the things that we spoke about before, right? So that, first of all, you need to be tracking your food and be demonstrating that you can track your food for a six-plus-month period minimum. Because if you're not tracking, then you have no idea how much of a deficit you actually need. And this is the thing. When people think, oh, I need to do a deficit of calories, that equals 1,200 calories or less. Mm. But the reality is, again, you need to look at the individual. So here's an example. When Kitty did her last dieting down, uh, I know when you did that photo shoot, she, Kitty maintains her weight eating 2,500 calories, right? Probably uh, not even that, probably even more. If I eat 2,500, I'd probably still get leaner. But either way, mm. I think I, I can't quite remember the numbers, but you dropped it down to 2,100. 20, 22. 2,200, right? And we did all of the measurements and she dropped, I think it was close to about 5% body fat and, and all of the measurements were coming down. And so in, in that case, 2,100 calories for Kitty is a relative caloric deficit. Now, how is it that someone can be eating that much food, be in a deficit while still eating that much food? <laughs> and again, it's, it's very simple. It's very logical. When we look at the things that would influence um, a caloric deficit, Obviously, you have food, which is definitely going to be the biggest influencer, but the other part of it was muscle mass, okay? So, for example, when we do a – on the odd occasion, when we do do it with people, we do like a fat loss phase, they need to be hitting certain strength targets and have built up their metabolic capacity to be, be handling more food, show that they can be consistent for a long time and be at a point where the temps and pulses and all the subjective measures are at a really, really high level. Then from then it's just like, okay, what we need to look at is go, here is your current strength level. It needs to be here. Once they reach that level, the, the, the biggest part, and this is where I, I feel like a lot of people go wrong, is that the goal of a fat loss you know, phase or being in a deficit is to lose fat, but at the same time and as equally as important is to maintain the muscle that you have built to that point. So the moment people go into a caloric deficit, they make the deficit way bigger than they need. They then all of a sudden increase their output to an absorbent amount and they focus on all of the things that don't maintain their lean muscle mass. So then they literally just undo everything they've spent the last 12, 18, two years, whatever doing to literally undo it in maybe an eight to 12 week period. So with Kitty, it's very, very simple. It was like, let's bring the calories down to a relative caloric deficit. Here are the numbers that she'd been hitting up until the point with her strength training. She just now needs to maintain those numbers, let the, the, the drop in calories control her body weight, which is what I explained before, calories control body weight. And she maintains the muscle mass that she comes down and then week by week, things come off. And people are like, yeah, but it's, how can she still be eating that much food and be in a relative caloric deficit? Again, you need to look at your strength training. So on any given day, Kitty could deadlift 140 kilos for 10 reps. Now, a lot of people go, I, I can't even deadlift 
60 kilos for 10 reps, let alone 140. Well, that's another like, episode. <laughs> that's, that, that's another episode. And I, I don't want to kind of, um, you know, turn people off by saying that, but I, I'm, I'm desperately trying to paint picture that if you don't have any muscle mass, then what do you think is going to happen when you pull off this fat that, you, that you're trying to get rid of? Your calories are going to have to get so low because you've got no muscle mass. As we explained before, having more muscle mass is, you know, metabolically expensive tissue, et cetera, et cetera. So if you've got none to begin with, you start doing a fat loss phase. Yes, the weight will come off, but your calories will have to get down into that 1,200 or 1,100 or whatever in order to actually see some result. But then you have nowhere to go. So then you need to reverse diet for a while, bring all your food back up, get level, build some strength. And then you probably need to spend the next 12 to 18 months doing that consistently and getting it up to a point that you're actually worthy of doing something like this to change his body composition. But it's probably not the right, the right word's not worthy. It's just that. What is it? The bait. <laughs> Such a mess. Well, I don't. I don't think that's a very. I don't think it. that's a very nice word to <laughs> well, describe sorry, it, Craig. Okay, I okay. think people listen to that. Go, it's not that you're not worthy. It's just that you have such a poor base to begin well, yeah, with. Yeah, it's it's yeah, very. You know, I mean, if you're cutting at a poor base, yeah, it's only going to get worse. Yes. So it's like you have to build your calories up. You know, like eating two thousand plus calories, have a decent amount of strength, good sleep, good temps and pulses, because your metabolism is robust then. Because any yeah. fat loss is going to be stressful. So, yeah. you know, you can do it for a certain period of time and you can lose the fat. And we've had women who craig some fat loss phase, they diet, he diets them, they lose a certain amount of body fat and then he brings them back to maintenance and brings their calories back up and they don't regain the weight and he does it slowly. You know, yeah. like it's, it's but unless you've built that base first, yeah, you know, you're just going to do yourself more harm than good. And again, I think it's women are unrealistic in their expectation of the time it takes. So if you've done, if you've dieted for 20 years, you can't undo that and get the body of your dreams and the health that you want in 12 weeks. It's prop like the women who've had the best, tra- even health transformation. So we've got women in our program who've like uh, Jane, she's got rheumatoid arthritis and she's in remission now. Um, but she's really focused on, you know, all the basic stuff we've talked about, but she's been in the program two years, you know, mm-hmm. our most successful body transformations. Like we look at, um, Anna and Sean. Sean's lost 30 kilos, kept it off. She looks amazing. Her skin is glowing. You know, she just looks healthy. She eats 2,400 calories, you know, and Anna's 57 kilos, eats 2,400 calories. Like, but they've done it for a long time. Like it's taken them 18 months, two years to get there. Like that's what it takes. Mm. And women are like, oh, but it's too long. I'm like, yeah, but would you rather spend the next 20 years (laughs) doing Mm. what you're doing? Like you've got to get out. I think you've got to get out of your head that, it's a time frame. I have to get here in this time. Mm. You just have to go, what do I need to do every day to get there eventually and make yeah. that your standard of success? And then slowly, you know, your body's going to be the last thing that changes. Like that's where you can see the results later down the track. It's like you'll start to sleep better. You'll start to get stronger. Um, and you know what I find? So it's like this compounding effect. Like they'll slowly see changes and then like, 12 months time all of a sudden be like fuck wow like their body's really changing now because they've really built that good strength and they've you know it's like compounding interest in a bank Mm -hmm. you know like it seems you put it in it's so small and you think um just making nothing you know and then two or three years later like oh wow like look all that money in the bank Mm -hmm. you know and it's the best way to describe it because people don't realize that they haven't been living off their you know savings or paycheck they've been living Mm -hmm. off their credit card 
Exactly. They're going into debt. It's so yeah, true. And you, yeah. when you have long-time credit card debt, and some of us have done it, some of us hasn't, like it comes can sometimes take you a year, two years to pay back the mm. credit card debt because interest is so high. And I say to my clients all the time, it's exactly how your body works. The interest on that loan that you took on all that energy has to be paid back. And then yep. you need to rebuild your savings and have it earning interest for the days that you overdraw it again so it doesn't get overdrawn mm. because we all are human totally. and we want to go out and have a few drinks or we'll yeah. have a really stressful day where you have to take a friend to the hospital and you haven't eaten all day because you don't want to eat junk out of the vending machine. So you, you can withdraw excess on that day and not be in a deficit. That's mm. what you're building yourself up to is to not be this fragile person <laughs> that every yeah. time you skip a meal or every time you eat you know, gluten or have a glass and you have a breakout or, a, you know, you, you want to be this robust person mm. that mm. doesn't, isn't subjected to all of these, you know, allergies and syndromes and mm. blah, 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 you know, which people don't realise are from the stress of being in a chronic state of deprivation and a chronic energy deficit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're never, you're never going to look like you want to look either. You're never going to look healthy and look toned and athletic and if you're just flogging yourself and, like you say, starving yourself and stressful all the time. You I might be skinny. You might be I was, skinny. like, really good metabolically and, you know, I'd eat, like, 2,500 calories and i go away on holidays and i come back and I'd hit the gym and i put, like, I would change my body composition so quickly, mm. so quickly, you know. I didn't have to. You know, obviously I've had a break because I've been sick, but I watch all these women and I go, you're not going to get the results that you want because you're in such a deficit. And when you get out of this fragile state and you build this beautiful foundation that Kitty's talking about, like you have how many weeks did you have off with your surgery? So I had two full weeks off, but then I just gradually eased back into it. But you didn't, did you lose, did you get, did you turn into a chunker? Mm. (laughs) No, like you just... It's the same. Did you yeah. lose any muscle mass? Did you like? I don't know. I didn't. We didn't really. I mean, I think I actually did lose some muscle mass. We actually did my skin folds, but my yeah. weight was, it just shows at the end that the weight is yeah. really relevant. Yeah. So my weight was exactly the same from yeah. the start to the to the. I think it was like over a two month period. But also, we had Christmas, and you know, I hadn't been eating as consistently, not strength training like I usually would, and I lost some muscle and gained body fat. So it's like it's the body composition, you know, that really does does matter. But again, it's like it wasn't it didn't didn't matter, you know, like I'm still the same. I just get back into training and eat. And like you say, if I wanted to now really change my body composition, because I'm not really strict with my food anymore. I I am I plan ahead. Like I sit down on the weekend and go, Okay, like you, like I make some meals for my lunches, I have all my snacks ready, I have the same breakfast every morning because it's easy. I have nearly the same dinner every night. But like on the weekend we went out for dinner. And on Sunday, I had some a few different meals, but I still eat relatively consistently. But if I really wanted to actually change my body now, like get leaner or, you know, put on more muscle, I just have to dial it in and be yeah. really consistent. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a matter of dropping heaps of calories out. It's just because I guess now I just don't care. Like I'm just happy with how I am in my body, you know, and I'm like happy with it's good. I have a good amount of variety. I can still go out in the weekend and I still am consistent though. I think women have got to understand that. It's like once you get to this good place, you can't all of a sudden go, 
I'm going to start drinking piss every weekend and start eating inconsistently and not balance my blood sugar. Like it's really still important to, you know, maintain those things because I'm like you, like, I mean, even now I'm sitting thinking, oh, I'm so hungry. Like, because we have lunch at 12, I'm my blood sugar so low I can hardly even concentrate. But we work a lot, you know, we have multiple businesses. We don't have any kids, but it's like stressful at times. And if I don't eat all the time, Mm-hmm. and really be diligent i don't sleep i have shit energy i feel shit i can't train and like to me i just i don't want to be like that i don't want to feel like that so i think you know women have got to like anything in life that's worthwhile takes work and discipline but you've this is a different type of discipline it's disciplined in eating enough balancing your blood sugar being consistent making good food choices for your body cutting out that alcohol committing to you know like maybe it might be saying no to people having some more downtime getting some like it's a different type I think Mm. of discipline versus I'm just going to be disciplined and eat 1200 calories but the thing is too it's hard because it's not quick there's no instant gratification with this I don't think it really is like you've got to be committed to that longer game which we talked about in love with the journey as opposed to the destination you know because it's it's you'll find that the destination is just like moving goalposts you'll get there You want more, you want to make like it's just I think it's something that you just you change your lifestyle to make it as optimized as possible. Mm. And the things that are gonna do that are the things that you know, lift weights, be consistent with your food, try and sleep well, mitigate stress where you can. Um yeah. And it's tracking the small things. I think like so many women message me after especially after that podcast episode, Kitty, of like, oh yeah, I forget to track the small things and when I think Mm. about it like I've got my libido back like I actually want to have Mm. sex and I haven't had sex for you know Mm. it wasn't my husband it wasn't me I just didn't have enough food to make the hormones to for my body to feel safe enough to have sex you know and just little things like for me it was I've been able to do demolition on our house that we're renovating for three days straight, like with a sledgehammer and lifting, you know, yeah. massive bags of cement. And yeah, yeah, Craig's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, give me throw this in the back of the truck, like you know, <laughs> um, you know. And I think women, like, I talk to a lot of women. They're like, "What do you want to do? Strength training?" You're like, "It's it's not feminine." I was like, "But don't you want to do stuff with your body? Like, don't you want to be able to walk out to your garden, and go?" I want to dig a hole or I want to move this plant or like my dog recently got sick and, you know, he was he was 35 kilos. I can pick him up and carry him upstairs. Mm. Like mm. that's what you strength train for. You know, mm. I was talking about it even with Susie Neville in another podcast. Um, she's my, my, one of my mentors and she's an amazing physiotherapist and we were talking about kids not getting proper development because their parents can't hold them up and really? you know, flip them around and stuff because that's part of a kid's vestibular wow. system developing and so they're always strapping kids to them and putting them down because they can't carry them and throw them around and play with them and yes. you know this is this is what you want out of your life I reckon as a woman like and you can't do that when you're cutting calories and no. just running on a treadmill because you get home and you're like I'm it's so exhausted. broken and what do you mean you want food like I don't even make food for myself what do I have to make food for you for like that's what you're saying on the inside <laughs> Everybody just wants something off me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually not. It's just you don't give enough to yourself. <laughs> it's got, yes. You know, Craig, what do you have got to say for, about men? Because I know you guys are putting together a men's program and I think we get so stuck into the women's 
Mm. stuff which is i think obviously a lot of that reason for that because most of the nutritional studies are done on men not thinking about women so there's this huge huge um area where we you know have so much for women but i see men doing the same thing i've got guys that come in who are eating 1700 calories and trying to yeah lose weight and they start looking really puffy and inflamed and they're like i need to lose weight i know you just need to eat more food just talk to me about men and your program coming up yeah, I, I, again, it's 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 still very much the same thing. I mean, I, I think, um, but men have this problem, right? Yeah, they, absolutely. You know, like, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think men are just a little bit more introverted. You know, when it comes to how they're feeling and panda kitty and all that. <laughs> I was just saying if she was still listening like, or if she was like a, a food had like, run out, she got yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so hungry. I'm just like, just honestly sitting here thinking, oh god, like, see the low blood sugar. Yeah, like you just, it's crazy. But you still, got how did I use you? You're all right. You got a little bit of energy left. Yeah, the stress hormones are in. They're kicking in. They're like, I'm running off adrenaline now. No, oh my god. You can always tell with Kitty when she's done that because she floats off, and then all of a sudden her talking speeds up. Oh my god, I just can't. Oh my god. Oh God, this well, is, this is it's funny you say okay. that because I was talking to this guy this morning. He's a friend of ours at school. We were dropping our kids off and he says to me, oh, I just don't eat breakfast. You know, I can just go without lunch. And I don't know why everyone needs to eat so much all the time. He's talking so fast. And my husband said to me, how do you survive? And I go, but listen to him. He didn't shut up for like five minutes. Yeah. He's like blood sugar so low. He's oh, had a coffee. So bad. He's running so on bad. adrenaline. He needs yeah. to go over and yeah. eat breakfast. But, yeah, again, like we, you know, <laughs> we just talk about guys for a second like they eat. They guys have the ability, obviously, to build a lot more muscle mass because of you know your male hormones, testosterone, right? So again, we still need the, the substances, the building blocks, to be able to build those. So you know, getting guys to eat liver and all these things are you know can be a little bit trickier to do because they're a bit set in their ways. <laughs> but the thing is, is that guys generally tend to respond a lot quicker than females. It's it's a sad reality, but it is a reality. No, we hate it. We hate if, it. Like, go and like, obviously, because <laughs> so, like, you just you go, you say to a guy, "I want you to lift really big weights and eat lots of food," and they go, "Okay, like, why do I need to do that?" I'm like, "Because we want to build a physique, and we want to optimize you and get you feeling better, and you know, give you these building blocks." I'm like, "You want to have more testosterone? You want to feel like, yeah, I want all that." It's just like, so you would just you kind of sell it to them like that, and it and it just kind of happens a little bit more like mm. clockwork with guys um but again it's still it, it's just the basics seriously it's it's i just as i said earlier i was going to sound like a broken record but i just i cannot overstate the importance of getting into a meal plan structure that you can consistently mm-hmm. do every day um you know find the foods you know and continue to work with the foods that you're ultimately going to work best for you um and and with guys most guys just don't eat enough it's similar to women like, you know, most of my guys are on, I don't know, like 28, 3,000, 3,000 mm. plus, a couple of guys on three and a half thousand calories. And again, it's just relative to their ability to train in the gym. They can lift bigger weights. They can get stronger a lot quicker. So they, they just need more food. Like it's just relative. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, well, I think it's the same for them, like really track. Because Sean, my partner, he's never put on weight ever in his life. Yep. And uh, so he was always picked on for being too skinny at school and stuff like that. So he, before he met me, he really didn't eat enough food. Yeah. And didn't eat enough of the right food. And uh, he mm. ran. He's a really good long distance runner. 
And uh, yeah. since we've been together, obviously he eats a lot more food. He's actually in charge of all of our food, um, the cooking. He looks and like stuff. he's a good cook. Yeah, he really yeah. is, and he really loves it. It just happened yeah. that way over COVID because he would try and finish work by two, and then we'd swap with our daughter, and then I'd work Ooh. from two till like into the evening, and so he would do dinner. Um, whereas before we both used to cook, but he's in, he's does all the meal planning and all the cooking and stuff. We share it. I do the big prep thing on the Saturday, but he does the day to day stuff. Um, but he's really noticed the difference, like when he eats 3,000 calories versus 2,000, when mm. he trains, like renovating the house, like his libido goes through the roof when he's strength training and yeah. eating heaps of food, you know, yeah. like just having ice cream before bed, even though his mum told him not to because she said it would make him fat. You know, I <laughs> <laughs> love that stuff. You go, Tell you can't eat ice cream before bed, you'll get fat. I'm like, I don't think he's ever been fat his whole life. But anyway... <laughs> Not the point. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, his libido has just gone through the roof. And so when I meet guys are like saying they're not that sexual or, you know, they used to be, but that's for the young kids, you know, like, you know, life's wearing I'm a dad now and so I don't have time for sex anymore. It's like, wait, you guys, you gotta lift the state the the bar up higher <laughs> of what the life that you want to live is yeah. like. Like how old yeah. are you, Craig? I'm 40, right? Yeah. I want to be able to throw my kids around I want to have heaps of sex with my husband I want like I want to live an awesome life and if you want to live an awesome life you've got to eat food and you're going to train <laughs> and sleep what's yeah, that you know I, I I again strength is never weakness right put that on a t-shirt <laughs> I've never met anyone especially females never met anyone who who was disappointed with the fact that they were able to lift weights that they never even thought possible it, mm. it becomes this incredibly empowering moment and we used to see this in our gym all the time where all of a sudden they get to a, the point where they would squat and you'd put 60 kilos on the bar so the, the 20 plates right put them on either side of the bar and they're like oh my god like this is the 20 kilo plate this is what the guys use it's like yeah yeah well the, the numbers say that you can do this so let's do it and they do it and it just becomes this like like deer in the headlights moment, like, oh, my God, I just did 60 kilos for 10 reps. I never, ever thought that would ever be mm. possible in my life. And I'm like, well, why the hell not? Because I've had people telling me that I should do this and I need to lift, do cardio to lose weight and then, you know, I, I don't want to lift weights because I'll get bulky and all this stuff. And I'm like, do any of these people who are telling you this stuff, are they the people that you want to look like? Are they the people that you aspire to be? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. Yeah. So it's like, why are you listening to them? Mm. And you're mm. trying to tell me that you've now been able to accomplish something that is so black and white, objectively, you could, there was no way you were able to lift this X amount of time ago, and now you can. That is progress in its barest form. And you can do it. So it's like, if you can do that, what else can you do? And then all of a sudden you get into this, you know, where you get, clients get into this stage of, where they start to value progress. You know, and it's, and that's that's the stuff that changes your life. You know, and they, you know, that affects their relationship, affects the way they handle themselves at work. You know, you know, the fact they can pick up the kids, all of these things. Like strength is never a weakness. So I'm like, it's just awesome. Cardio is just and running yourself into the ground. I mean, you're literally exhausting yourself for zero benefit. Lift weights, get strong. <laughs> Have great sex. Eat lots of food. <laughs> Be right. happy. I mean, it just come on. 
you guys well, are awesome. Yeah. You guys so, are awesome. I love having you on the show. Thank you so much. So uh, by this time, by the time this episode gets published, everyone should have done their 12-week transformation <laughs> that they signed up for and be so tired and hungry that you're now going to listen to this podcast and then you're going to jump on to Win at Life. Is it winatlife.com? The Win at Life. Newstrength.com. Strength. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Newstrength.com. And you're going to check out these guides. And you're not going to have it all in 12 weeks because <laughs> that's not how it works. But I encourage you guys to get on and have a look at these guides and um, check out their program. You generally have like a one-month trial thing or something going on, don't you, Kitty, for people who are a bit scared oh, so of how much basic- food they're going to need to eat. <laughs> well, again, it's person, depending on the person. Like, you know, we've got some women that start at 1,600 and some that start at 2,000. Again, it's like women go, I'm so scared of eating all the food. I'm like, well, if you test and measure properly and track, like it's not a problem. I don't think. It's like we always start women where they're at and gradually increase them. but. Yes. We have break-free basics, which is just our entry level. It's just a once-off payment. It's just a real basic introduction, meal, few meal plans, some educational videos, um, you know, a couple of training programs. And then we've got our Win at Life program, which is our full coaching program. And then a few times a year, we run a challenge, break-free challenge, where you come in and do four weeks of our coaching program. And it's like a, a light version of Win at Life for four weeks, you know, where we get coaching, you can try it. But you can sign up to our program and pay on a monthly basis or you can sign up for a year. So, you know, people can come in and see how they go and do 12 weeks and then there's no further commitment from there. Cool. And I'm for like the clients that I have that are online that I can't because I don't do online training. And to be honest, I prefer to do rehab and that sort of stuff. I refer quite a lot of people onto Craig and Kitty's strength training program. And people who want to, I've actually found too, some people just want to do it in a group environment. So I've referred mm-hmm. them to you and go, you look, I reckon you're going to get better results just from being in a group than rather than doing one-on-one coaching. So I refer them on as well. Mm. So yeah, lots of ways you can do it. You can do the training only, you can do the nutrition only. You can mm-hmm. like, just check it out. Like stop, as Kitty always says, she just wants women and so do I to stop doing awful, dumb shit to their body and <laughs> Just be free. Mm. Be free, be fr- be strong and enjoy life. And have more sex as Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. You're awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks Thanks for watching. I'm Lena Lutz and you've been listening to The Body Never Lies. If you haven't yet, please go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. All the resources and references from this episode are waiting for you on my website, leelalutz.com. Just click on podcast and look for this episode. Now join me next week for another episode of The Body Never Lies. Thank you so much for listening.